how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. This week on The Colin and Samir Podcast, we're joined by our good friend, Matt Diavella. Matt is a filmmaker and YouTube creator based here in Los Angeles. He's made a film for Netflix, and now he's growing an audience on YouTube. This is actually the second time we're having Matt on the show. We actually first met Matt about a year ago when we were on his podcast, The Ground Up Show, and we recorded a podcast for us that day as well. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's called How to Sell Your Movie to Netflix, and it's one of the first episodes on our podcast. Over the past year, we've become really close with Matt and watched him grow a significant audience on YouTube. He's actually about to cross 1 million subscribers, which is a huge milestone considering we met him when he had just grown to about 50,000, and that was only a year ago. Matt makes videos about filmmaking, about minimalism, and a lot of content about self-development. And some of his videos have hit that 7 to 8 million mark, which is such a large group of people to watch your films. Now, the interesting thing about Matt is that although he has a massive audience on YouTube, he's made a career for himself without any advertising or sponsorships. He's paving his own way on YouTube, both through his filmmaking as well as the way that he chooses to make it a career. On this episode, we talked to Matt about why he doesn't do any advertising and how he supports himself as a filmmaker. Matt is one of the most talented creators on the YouTube platform today, uh, one of the most driven individuals we've met, and we're just really excited to have him back on the show. I think you guys will really enjoy our conversation with Matt Diavella. All right, here we are, almost a year later, sitting in the same spot with your equipment, recording our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, you guys snuck up on me with that podcast, too. Yeah, It was did. like, I didn't know we were going to do a podcast. Yeah. Yep. And you said, here it is. We're doing it. But it was fun. It was good. So you're our second returning guest. We had Jack Coin on twice. And now you're right. the, the second person to come on twice. I and I actually really that. enjoy the fact that we have guests return because we were just talking about this before, but it's it's a lot more. We, we've known each other for a year now. It's yeah. a lot more comfortable to be able to dive into. Last time that was the first time we just met that day. Yeah, that day. Yeah. I th- I, there's something that I don't think you can get when you just meet somebody for the first time compared to somebody that you've developed a rapport with. I feel like you can go much deeper with the conversation and you also have less likely of a chance that you're going to offend somebody, which is great. I think it just takes away the pressure. I might be able to offend you guys. Well, (laughs) Well, I think think also we didn't know if you were going to like throw jokes our way, if it was okay Mm, for us to, you know, I don't know. It was just yeah. the conversation now is much more natural. I'll tell you when I knew that I liked you. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it was when we were saying goodbye that day and we were doing some sort of greeting. And I never know. Is it like a high five, a handshake, right. like a cool embrace? You know, there's all types of things you can do. And you and I both had a really awkward <laughs> goodbye. 
And I was like, he's one of me. (laughs) (laughs) I like him. I can't tell you like how many nights I've spent like just sweating, thinking about uh, an awkward handshake I've had, (laughs) grabbing somebody's thumb accidentally. (laughs) But here's what's worse. Samir is so good at it. I'm good at handshakes. And you probably can read it ahead of time. Mm -hmm. We work a lot in sports and sometimes there's five athletes just lined up ready for a greeting. Yeah. Right. And mm. we're just in a line and I look at him and Samir goes up and he just has the coolest handshake with all of them. Mm. But we didn't talk about it. It's just this understood language. Do you feel that, and like, then I come after and I've messed up all of them. Yeah. Do yeah. you like then like you can't like I feel like it's awkward to do something different than the person that led. So like if you were to then downgrade to a handshake after they did like a little bro hug. Right. But I'm not as smooth. So right, I can't right. do the bro hug. Like I don't have that in my repertoire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I just tell myself, it, okay, this will be a handshake and that's it. And I make it very clear and I come with the offensive, you know, here that like put my hand out. It is a handshake. That's what we're doing. There must be a specific type of group therapy for people like us. Yeah, we have problems. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm also like a hugger, which is not always uh, well received, especially with brand new people. I'm like, I, I will just I'll just hu- give you a hug if I just meet you. Yeah, it's always it's funny just, when yeah. people are turn- like weirded out by it. Yeah. I kind of read it going into it, and like maybe that's not a good thing, but you just make an assumption about somebody, and you're like, right. I think that they will be accepting of this hug. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to be cool with it. And then like you realize that they weren't, and then <laughs> yeah. you just that's happened to me. Pat on the back yeah. with one hand. That's happened to me. But it, yeah. it's happened to me. But but then <laughs> the thing is, Colin has to read now what he's going to do because if I give someone a hug and they're clearly uncomfortable, Colin's now like. <laughs> I can't what be the guy do who I didn't do? give yeah. the hug. Yeah, like, but I can do. tell they don't want the hug now. Right. Just yeah. walk away. We all know they don't want it after what just happened. <laughs> but but I can't be the guy that doesn't hug. It's true. It's true. Right. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, that was yeah. our... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was our... <laughs> on, this is the added value section of our podcast. Our, uh, Patreon exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we met up this morning, and if you guys have been following along with what we've been doing, we did a weekend film fest with Matt, which is actually also our second collaboration with you on Weekend Film Fest. Mm-hmm. But this one was particularly big. It was grand. And a lot of that is because you've grown in the past year significantly on YouTube. Your audience yeah. has grown. I thought you were talking about my biceps. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> that too. Yeah. That too. Uh, but, you know, you've, you've grown a community now. You've, uh, you've really just become, you know, a new version of, of, of what it means to follow Matt Diavella and what it means mm-hmm. to be the filmmaker Matt Diavella. So we, we just had this awesome experience of, of getting these films. And a lot of the filmmakers in Weekend Film Fest are aspiring creators. And last time we talked, we talked about being an aspiring filmmaker, getting something on Netflix, which is something you've done. But this week and this episode, I wanted to talk about the concept of aspiring to be a creator. You've shown us in the past year that there's multiple ways to make a lifestyle as a creator. Mm-hmm. You know, when we, I think when anyone sits back and thinks, I want to make YouTube videos, your immediate thought is, yeah, I'm going to make YouTube videos. I'm going to get millions of people to watch them. And then I'm going to run ads. That's how you make money. That's how you hear about creating a lifestyle as a creator. Uh, but you've, you've, you have a different path. And so I'm curious just to go back one year when you were creating YouTube videos, you had the podcast going and um, you, know, you were starting to gain an audience. How did you think about the lifestyle of being a creator and the, I guess the career of being a creator? Yeah, I mean... At that time, obviously, I had done a documentary, so I had some success in in the industry that was with air quotes, like because I don't. It's it's really difficult. It never really feels like you have success, but at the same time, I still felt like I had a long way to go in 
actually like the entire way to go to being an online creator, a full-time creative, somebody who makes videos for an audience. Like all those things seem so challenging and so far away from me. Um, and at that time, I think I had like 50,000 subscribers and you know, you have to have, I think a pretty significant sized audience to be able to make money through ads, um, probably through Patreon and other means like no matter what, like you need a lot of eyeballs on it unless you're doing freelance work. If you're doing freelance work, you only need 10 clients a year. If that some people get by with just having one client, although that's kind of just like a job, (laughs) but like for me, it was, all right, how do I just continue to build this thing? Not worry about money, not worry about how I'm going to be able to like pay the bills. Cause I did have a bit of runway to take care of that stress. But it was like, if I can make this thing popular enough, uh, if I could get enough people to watch my videos, then I can figure out a way to make money because then I'll have um, the means to do it. But before you really build an audience, I don't think it's even worth it to like turn monetization on because there's a cost. When you turn monetization on your videos, when you do sponsorships, even though you're making $30, you are losing a little bit of trust. It, it can be a little bit annoying. And sometimes when you have it actually monetized, it's people are going to click away from your videos. Like when somebody goes to your YouTube channel, I mean, maybe this is just me, but when I go to a YouTube channel or somebody's watch somebody's video and I click play and an ad comes up, a lot of times, half the time, I'm like, I shouldn't be on YouTube right now. I'm just distracting myself and I'll click off and go somewhere else. Now, that may be a 5% change. But I think that 5% change is, is worth it because if you're only making 50, $100 a month on YouTube, I think it's worth it to like hold out and wait. It's not to say that you can't do advertising down the road. If you do decide to monetize that way, I think that's totally fine. But I think that there is an element of, hey, grow first, and then eventually you can figure out how to make money from it. So no offense. I know you guys do monetization <laughs> ads. Do you guys disagree with yeah. that at all? No, I, I, no. I, I don't disagree with that, actually. I think you know, our background is in advertising. Um, one thing about us is you know, we, we connected over advertising. Like Colin and I, when we first started working together, some of our favorite pieces of content on the internet were branded content or ads. We still share ads all yeah. the time yeah. with each other and talk about them. Yeah. So, I mean, our background is really based in good advertising and it's a challenge that we enjoy. So we do run ads on our channel, but I think also like it's, it's not outside of the realm of possibilities that we would talk about advertising specifically on our channel and good mm-hmm. advertising, like because it's our background. So yeah, I think, I, I think I, branded content is something that we've now made, you know, a career out of mm-hmm. and, and have had careers in. Um, straight up advertisements, like what a pre-roll ad looks like. That's, I think that I probably agree with you on about like Mm -hmm. distractions and some of that. I think, you know, you have no control over what that ad is for the audience. So, you know, that's, that's where it becomes a little bit more, you know, up in the air. Yeah. And, and to also be clear, like that's how I got started out was like doing freelance client work. I worked with Adidas and uh, like Puma, like a ton of brands early on. And it was amazing because they paid my bills and I was creatively fulfilled. I got to work with some pretty awesome clients and that's how I really like was able to like craft my storytelling technique. So I would say like for people, especially getting started out in the freelance world, don't feel like you're too good for anything. I mean, I wouldn't do anything that's beyond your morals or your ethics, but for the most part, like everybody needs to wear sneakers. So I don't think it's that bad to like promote uh, or to create a video around a sneaker company. It's also like just going off of weekend film fest. It's, it gives you a constraint. 
Mm-hmm. And that to yeah. me, I think is some of the most fun parts about all the branded content we've done. It's like, here's the brand, here's the brand guidelines, here's the message we're trying to convey. What's the, what's a creative way to do this? And we're coming to you for that. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think that's a really fun challenge. Yeah. You know, is there a creative way to convey this message? There's also an interesting element to our background that, you know, we were creating content for the lacrosse audience, which is an underserved audience that did not have a lot of media. So when a brand would come in, they would actually come in with enough funds for us to create something that has never been created before in our sport. Right. Like it's not like basketball or the NBA where there's tons of brands putting tons of money into it, especially at the time that we were growing. So our audience was actually very receptive if we sort of treated the content properly and up-leveled it so much so mm-hmm. um, they were appreciative, I think, of that brand for coming into the sport. We were really conscious of that too. Like if, if a brand came in, we were sure that we were going for something that we knew this community like deserved. Mm-hmm. And then the brand supported us in creating that. And again, because we were so hyper-specific with our audience, eventually after a couple of years brands started trusting us so much so that we had a lot of creative freedom in that do you think that that's there, different there is like a, a degree to which you would say somebody should start advertising on their channel i know i listened to tim ferris's podcast and he gave the recommendation that he's like i don't think that you should start to advertise until around a hundred thousand downloads per episode mm. which when i first heard that i got to a hundred thousand when, he, when he's, he said uh, until you get to a hundred thousand and i thought oh great and then he said per episode and i was like oh yeah no that's yeah. never yeah <laughs> i'm not there now like that's a ton of people yeah. yeah and i think maybe that might be a stretch but he was just saying that then you have more bargaining abilities mm-hmm. and at that point that's probably when you, you'll be able to make around six figures from podcasting is it worth it to advertise before that point do you think that there's maybe something to gain from actually doing sponsorships and the experience that you might learn from hatching those deals early on uh, before you've built up a significant audience to make thousands of dollars that depends on your the purpose behind why you started a podcast if you started a podcast to pay your bills and you get in a situation where that's one of the only ways to do it or like the only way that you could maybe get better podcast equipment or like up level. Um, but yeah, I think it just comes down to purpose. Like Colin and I oftentimes say this, which is it's, it's really good to get the financial conversation out of the question when you're creating something new, mm-hmm. you know, like to have that stability, to be able to be creatively free and build something, you know, properly. That's the best way to launch something. So if you're doing a podcast and like you don't want to take some of those ads, it doesn't feel right, doesn't integrate into your content, it's not serving any purpose, then find a different way to support yourself while you're creating that podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like get nervous when I see someone make a video that says, I just quit my job to become a full-time creator, but they have not yet built that audience. Mm-hmm. There's a dream, right? There's a, there's a dream that is being sold constantly about, becoming a full-time creator because mm-hmm. you, you, like, you're watching it. It's like, that looks really fun and really cool. And I wish I could make videos all day. You see all the great parts about mm-hmm. it. You see yeah. the finished final edited video. And even with my videos specifically, very polished, like everything's mm-hmm. very well thought out. I mean, I try to show some of the, the screw ups and maybe some things that are a little bit like offbeat or not as polished, but at the same time, it's, it's 
you're not seeing the, the crazy amount of work that goes into these videos, which I love. I love the mm -hmm. work, but oftentimes you see a lot about YouTuber burnout, entrepreneur, startup, tech burnouts. Like it happens quite often where people push themselves too far. And I think that there's an element to that where you need to sprint. You need to actually work really hard to get somewhere because when you quit your job and you're trying to be a full-time creative and you've got a little bit of runway, there's just a finite amount of time until you run out like money is really important for everything it's mm -hmm. it's so important like it will make or break the whether you can continue to do it or not and because even if like you have somebody funding you or like your parents are just throwing money at you it's you still eventually need to make it on your own you eventually need to make this thing sustainable so it's gonna it takes a long time and having that money thing figured out is super helpful so when you had runway like a post documentary and you started becoming a creator was that all calculated? Did you think beforehand, let me do freelance work, let me, you know, make this film and then after that I'm going to start my own thing with you know, the runway that I'm going to create for for myself because you you talk a lot about like your financial freedom and organization. Was that calculated or did that all just kind of fall into It wasn't calculated at all. I mean, I would say that my first initial dream when I was in college was to do sketch comedy. And I actually made a YouTube video, and I, I think I've told you guys the about The supermarket this. Yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I made like a sketch video on YouTube in 2006 or seven, and that was like the dream at the time, but I'm so far removed from that person. Like you just see how it changes and evolves. And then you start to make money as a freelance filmmaker, and it's amazing because I think to myself, I, I can't believe somebody's paying me to make videos. So that then I started to focus more on freelance work not even really thinking about original content not really being much of a youtuber or like watching youtube videos and then it was having this drive to want to create a documentary it was just a bucket list item I want to make a documentary about something I care about and then minimalism ended up being that documentary I actually just went out and did it it was a product of me having success as a freelancer having money having paid off my debt that I could then take that risk which is like it's a risk of time and it's a risk that like maybe nobody's gonna watch this thing like there was a very real chance that nobody would have seen that documentary or it never would have gotten finished but uh, I, I had uh, some runway there that I was able to do it and then once I released it and it did well and it made us some money then I was able to step back again and say wow that, that was cool like I wonder if I could build my own audience and then that's when the YouTube channel started. That's when the podcast started. It was, it stemmed from that. It was all like one thing to the next. It wasn't orchestrated, but having runway across the way and just being smart with my money was probably the best thing I did. Cause that would probably be much more challenging if you jumped without runway. Yeah, no, I think, no. Yeah. Nobody should ever jump without runway. You, right. Cause you can't, cause you're just going to quit. Like, I mean, it's going to, uh, I forget who said it, but, uh, Caroline Lee, I believe, on my podcast, she said that you should have two to, th it's like a two to three year rule. I think she put it as a three year rule where she's like, it's going to take me three years. Whether mm -hmm. if I'm going to start a podcast or if I'm going to start freelancing photography, it's going to take me three years to get to a point where I can do this as a full time living. So, uh, and that's from the moment of like, hey, this is what I want to do to transitioning out. So you may have a job and then you may want to start picking up jobs on the weekend. You may want to start doing some weddings. Building, paying off some debt, building up some runway. Eventually, you you know, cut the cord with the job and you go all in. But you have to be understand that it's not going to happen within six months. That it's going to take a long time. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like the identity of being an entrepreneur is so popular right now. It's never been more popular. But I don't think you hear enough about the concept of runway and how to actually 
how important it is, number one, but then two, how to plan that out. I think there's a lot of storytelling. We, Colin and I talk about this. Like, There's a lot of storytelling about the entrepreneur that like risks it all and like goes all out on an idea and then it, it pans out. But there's not as much storytelling about the entrepreneur who kept his day job and then in the evenings worked on the idea and did that for years until... I just listened to a great episode of How I Built This about five guys, um, the burger oh, place. I know. I'm yeah, familiar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually hungry. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five guys. Actually, was it five guys? I, I don't remember. Yeah. It, maybe it was five guys, but there was one where um, the guy kept it. Oh, sorry, Southwest. It was Herb mm-hmm. uh, Keller, whatever it was. He he started um, Southwest, and at the same time, he was a practicing lawyer, and he had a law firm, and he actually did that for almost ten years of Southwest. He kept his job as a lawyer wow. until like he could actually actually move over Mm -hmm. but it was like a surprising amount of time that he continued to be a lawyer i think that's the way to do it exactly and like there will be a degree of hustle and sprinting and working really really hard that is going to get you to that point like it's not going to happen by you just like casually picking up a camera every other weekend like you have to dedicate to this yes like as much time as you possibly can and it, it will be tough and it will be difficult to balance your health, your relationships and everything that you're trying to do. But the idea is that you're sacrificing this stuff for the very sh- a short period of time. And then once you're able to break through, and I think for a lot of people, it's like I would recommend initially if you're in a job you don't like, maybe try to freelance first. I think that's the easiest way to get started versus mm-hmm. building an audience. Like once you're able to break through, you're going to open yourself up to have so much more time. You're going to be able to bring that balance back into your life. And that's what I saw. Like I didn't, I worked harder than I ever had in the very beginning days when I was in college and I was like late at night going out to shoot weddings and shady neighborhoods and taking trains and like really sketchy situations. Like there was like North Philly. I shot a basketball event where I was like, people were like, there was like a crowd of like 300 people and I had like an expensive camera and I'm shooting this basketball event and like the guys there are heckling me they're smoking weed drinking yelling at me and like just mm-hmm. saying shit to me making me feel very very vulnerable and very very scared and then at the towards the end of the event firecrackers go off but oh. we, everybody thought it was a gun so then I'm running off into the middle of North Philly it's getting more dangerous the more I run away from the center of the firecrackers and then eventually I did end up making it back but like those days were tough I wasn't making any money, but I like loved what I did. And I was like, this is something worth investing in now. And it's worth putting this time in now because I don't want to have to do this shit when I'm like 45. Yeah. Not to say you can't for those that are 45, Mm -hmm. but like it's better to put the time up front and then eventually you'll have more freedom. And our, our weekend film fest topic for this past weekend was commitment. And if you're listening to this and you don't know what weekend film fest is just real quick, it's something that, um, we've done for well, almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically put up a 48 hour digital film festival where we create a prompt and you have 48 hours to create a film based on that prompt and submit it on Twitter. So if you want to check out the hashtag weekend film fest, you can look through all the films from this past weekend. The topic was commitment. And I think that's, um, you know, a part of this whole conversation is how are you going to commit to your idea right and like understanding that first step is really confusing and I, I think personally for me it's i'm this like kind of all or nothing guy like I, I can 
wake up in the morning and be like, okay, starting today, I'm going to like build this habit. And it's like comfortable for me. I don't have to ease into things. So I'm very used to that too, with committing to a career choice, but it's not a good idea to jump in completely without having that base. Yeah. I think financially for sure. I think that the, I think the jumping all in can be helpful. Like when I got into minimalism, Mm -hmm. it was like, I'm in, let's do this. Like what's the worst thing that could happen? Like I throw out a family heirloom that cost three sure. thirty thousand dollars, you know, that would yeah, that didn't happen. That would, yeah. <laughs> I was like, like wait, wait, what? No, that's, that's a big problem. That's a bad problem. problem. No, unfortunate. No. But I mean, there was really like no trade offs. Like as long as you're smart with it. But then mm-hmm. just, I like just love fully committing myself, and I'm like, I'm gonna wake up early every yeah. day, six a.m. every day. I'm gonna be relentless about it, and I think that that kind of drive is helpful. But like also be smart about it, like with your health, like, is this the right time to be doing it? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have enough money? Do you have enough runway? Mm -hmm. I think these are the things you have to ask yourself before you go all in. But then I think going all in should be like, hands down what you should do. So we've heard a lot about burnout recently Mm -hmm. from creators. I think over the past year, we've talked about burnout before. Um, A lot of creators are making content about burnout. Have you experienced that? I don't think so. It's hard for me to remember. I, I haven't experienced burnout with my YouTube channel. I mean, when I was making minimalism, I was burning. <laughs> I was burning fumes. <laughs> I was burning like peanut butter sandwiches and coffee all day, like 12 hours, 13 hour days, just editing nonstop. Uh, but it also like I was so fired up during it. I don't think I, I could have lasted much longer. But that was, I think, the sprint. And I wouldn't say that that was burnout. I think burnout like happens over just like relentless when you just don't give yourself any pause, any breaks, no days off. And I mean, I certainly was working towards that way with my YouTube channel. Like I was definitely starting to work every weekend, starting to work nights. And it just took me just to be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> things are going really well. I can slow down. I can relax. Like I don't need to actually work weekends. So for us now it's for Natalie and I, we do no work Saturdays which means, and now we actually even amended it to be like outdoor Saturdays. So every Saturday we do like an outdoor activity, whether it's going to the beach or going for a hike. And it's just like a rule that we set in place that, yeah, maybe we'll break every once in a while, but it's, it's, it's basically becomes a sacred day where that's for us. And that will actually prevent us from pushing ourselves too far. I think people don't make enough rules in their lives, especially as freelance creatives or creatives in general. And then it's easy to let it take over your life. When you launched your Patreon account and then now you're committing to sort of another separate programming schedule, another level of content, I would imagine that would be a time when burnout would happen. How did you keep from sort of getting stressed out and burnt out during that time when you launched something totally new that now has really worked out for you and is, is supporting you? Yeah, I think there was a little bit of worry in the beginning. It's like, am I actually going to be able to, to do this? And for me, it was like the style of content I was creating. Like I was doing AMA podcast once a month, which is relatively easy to manage. But there's like only people that are on Patreon can actually get and ask questions, which I don't do on my actual main podcast. And then the other thing was like more vlog style, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more, you know, day in the life type stuff. And I think that's just helped me be like, okay, cool. Like when I, on my YouTube channel, it's like, you know, I'm shooting on C200s. I'm very thoughtful. I'm doing really great voiceovers and all that. And sometimes I include that level of production quality in those videos. But for the most part, it's like, I just want people to, I want to talk a little bit more freely. I want to share people more intimate, like 
details about things that I'm going through, whether it's minimalism or building habits. So that has helped me to not run into the creative stump of like, what do I make or, and then it really just comes down to like the time. And for me, it just, it, it makes me really balance my personal life and specifically travel. So when I travel, it's very difficult to keep up with things. So I just try to make sure that I'm not like going back to back trips. I'm not going to like Sydney twice over two months, which I did last year. That's when things get tough. But if I'm able to have like a month or two at home and then travel a bit and then balance that, uh, I find no problem in getting this stuff done. So let's just do a quick uh, backup and, and talk about this is a, this is the topic that we really wanted to dive into, which is Patreon. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of other version of what it means to engage with an audience and, and potentially build a career um, as a as a creative or creator. Can you explain what Patreon is and how you came across it? I forget when I first came across it, but it was just seeing more and more, not only creators, but just podcasters and influencers using this platform as a way to make money. When you first hear about it, uh, it's basically people that follow you can contribute and pay a monthly fee. It's basically giving you a monthly income uh, and you can choose what it is. And oftentimes creators give things away in exchange for certain tiers. You could do $4, $8, $12 tier and give away different things at each level. And it's been an amazing way. And I think it's become more common for people to see it. And it's more, it's very trustworthy. People know that they can trust like their, um, that that the money's going to get to the creators and it's it's been an amazing opportunity for me to even like that's the only way that I'm making money right now as a content creator and I felt a little bit weird about it at first because it felt like it was like I'm accepting donations mm-hmm. and I think that's what led me to be more like okay if you guys want to give me a dollar a week you can do that like that's cool because a lot of people have asked me like I just want to give you a couple bucks but then also it's like, can I actually deliver for these higher tiers? Can I deliver something that's valuable, something that they're actually going to get something out of, something that they're going to be able to learn from and something that people are actually going to engage in and not just like give me their money and then forget about it. So for me, that's like the biggest learning lesson. And then actually, I think it has worked when you actually are providing something worth paying for, believe it or not, people would be willing to pay for it. When did you know it was the right time to jump and actually create a Patreon offering? I was going to create a course first. Okay. That was going to be my first product. And I was still doing no ads. Uh, I'm not doing ads at this point, but it's like, I wanted to create a course, put it out there, do it about habit change, do 30 videos included in it. And then I'm like, shit, like th- 30 videos. I do one video a week. I wanted to have the same production value, same quality. I'm like, this is going to take me forever to make 30 videos and to make a course syllabus and all the stuff that I, you know, the, the standard that I wanted it to be. And I was just getting overwhelmed with it. And I was like, I don't think I'm actually going to be able to make this that quickly. But I do think my audience is growing to the point where I could make some money now because I think I had a couple hundred thousand subscribers at that point. So then I just turned it on and I I lucked out when I started it because that's when things really took off for me. Like when my channel really started to grow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if I started it now, like I would have lost out on a lot of money and a lot of bills paid. (laughs) Do you, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, I mean like, you didn't create a course with 30 videos, but your Patreon really is a course because you are providing a service and it's instead of just being all at once, it's like a living, breathing course that takes place every week. Um, 
and it allows you to be more flexible actually with what you get to talk about in that course. Yeah, and it, and it spaces it out more, and it, it it does it gives me that consistent income over the time as I'm creating these videos, and it gives the people the opportunity to like come in and out if they want. You know what I mean? If you don't mm -hmm. want to, if you if maybe money's a little bit tight right now, like I I would certainly say don't do it if money's tight. But if you happen to want to pull out and people every month, how many of those patrons like do, do you know or have a sense of how many of them have been subscribers of your channel for a long time and how many of them like you described that around that time that you launched the Patreon was when your channel started to, you know, kind of like really grow on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of new members of your audience. Do you think they like how, how's the balance do you think of like hardcore Matt Diavella fans who've been around since you know, first episode of the ground up show and how many are like, Oh, this guy seems interesting. Like how does that interact? Do you think it's, I don't think there's anybody that's around from episode one of the right. ground up yeah. show. Cause that was the first thing that I made and it got like 50 views, uh, when I, when I released it. So I don't think that many people are around, but I do think that there's like a core group that just contribute every month. I mean, I would probably say, I mean, I think people people stick around. People don't really leave. Right. I think that's true of most uh, most things like this. When you know that you trust and want to support somebody, you usually contribute the money and don't have the expectation that you're going to pull it out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I would say it's growing every month, but most people probably stick around. And then there's maybe like 25 to 30 percent that will leave and then be replaced by new people. That's a wild guess, but yeah. I, that's what yeah. I would imagine it would be. You know the concept of a thousand true fans? Yeah. I think this is the the like the most clear-cut demonstration of that. Yeah. Right? Like Patreon is one of those demonstrations. So the concept of a thousand true fans is that as an artist, a creator, um, if you can garner a thousand true fans, true fans mean that they, they will, you know, if you say that you're launching something, they will go check it out because they really want to see like the latest Matt Diavella video, the latest, they want to interact, they want to be a part of this ecosystem. If you can generate a thousand true fans, you can actually make a living for yourself as a creative. Yeah, I'll give you the negative side of that or my, okay, my pessimistic sure. yeah. version yeah, yeah, yeah. of that is that to get a thousand true fans, you need a hundred thousand fans. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, to get a thousand, totally. right? Yes. Like, yeah. like you need a lot of followers or subscribers to get to that point. Without question. Yeah, it's probably like 1% are right. going to be true fans out of here. Who will actually contribute. Who, who will actually be a part of it, yeah. So that's an important thing to note if you're looking at this path, but it's just a theory that a lot of people, mm -hmm. it makes it less overwhelming to think about how to make a life as a creative. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. If you I think, think that that's like the end goal, mm -hmm. you know, is to have a thousand people who really, really care about your work, it's less overwhelming than I need to have 10 million subscribers. Yeah, mm -hmm. right? I completely agree, yeah. I, that, that, that definitely like took away a lot of pressure from me early on, just knowing that it probably wasn't gonna take that much. And also it builds upon itself. So if you're able to get 25,000, you can get 50,000. If you're able to get 50, you can get 75 and you can just continue to grow and build if you keep putting into it. Um, and, I, and that you're willing to adapt, I think, and change. Mm -hmm. Cause I think that a lot of people get very tied up being the same, keeping everything the same, keeping their message the same, covering the same exact topics in every video. And it's like, you, you need to actually step out of your comfort zone a little bit, shake things up, try something new and, you know, see what's sticking and what's not. And that's the difficult thing. I mean, it is, cre we're talking about creatives and being creative creators and nothing about it, it can, can be templatized. 
So you are incredibly consistent with your YouTube channel, with your brand. Colin and I always look to you as a example of consistency. Um, like Colin mentioned, you added more content creation to your plate when you launched the Patreon. Um, how did you think about your offerings when you thought about what what should I offer on Patreon? How did you think about that? And how did you make time and make space for that in your schedule of being consistent with your other creations? Did you Did you remove anything from your schedule or did you just recognize that you had more time to dedicate? I would say, yeah, I, I think that I had enough time to do it all. There were mo moments and periods throughout being a YouTuber where I would do two videos a week. So I definitely had the bandwidth to do it. And if I batched properly with podcasts and I organized them around a specific period of time, I found that I could get it all done. I just have to be very efficient about it. Now I'm even starting to rethink the format of my podcast and thinking about ways to simplify it. Uh, again, just goes back to this idea of being willing to change and not always feeling like it needs to be this way because that's the way that I started it. <laughs> um, and then being okay with experimenting for maybe 15, 20 episodes and saying, hey, do I like this better? Does this give me more time? That's one thing. Um, for me, I always knew it was gonna be delivering extra videos because I'm a filmmaker. And the trap that I've fallen into in the past is that like, I'll be like, I'm gonna start blogging. I'm gonna start writing. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I trying to make a popular blog if, I've, if I'm a filmmaker and I've already developed this skill set? And so for me, and like I can, I've been doing that for 15 plus years. Like it's what I'm best at and I can, Ooh, that Whoa. was scary. Sorry guys. Who was that? It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I messed up on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Podcast. Woo. Yeah. We, need, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, we do need one of those every podcast. Yep, that yep. was me. That was me yeah. this time. That was a lens cap lens cap uh, lens cap. That was a loud lens cap. Yeah. It broke the tension there. Mm. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> yeah. did. Okay. But anyway, it was video. Just keep up, keep making videos. Uh, I knew that I can edit videos very quickly. So for me, doing like a vlog, uh, vlogging my day is much easier. Although I would say like learning how to vlog is a process. And I was, you guys are amazing at it. Like I was shitty at it when I started. And I've definitely learned a lot just about that style of filmmaking. I, I commend you though, because like Colin and I have each other when we vlog. Mm -hmm. So like we can just oh, yeah. play off each other. Uh, I, I look at, I mean, I, you know, I think we, a lot of us, if you're a creator, you watched Casey Neistat, like watching him do it by himself is like, a, it's real like art form. You, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it's the same thing with until you do it, you don't realize how hard it is. Yes. Mm -hmm. And like he, they make it look effortless. Like Joe Rogan, yeah. his podcast, it's you, I, oh my God. Like when you're watching it, like, yeah, I could do that. Right. And totally. then you, you try it and you're like, this is, this is tough. art. Yes. Right. This is hard. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, Casey is one of those people that just makes vlogging look so easy. And you're like, this dude fucking is that, really good. So that's a, that's a really interesting thing you just brought up because I think a lot of creators, as they look at how to monetize what they're doing and how to create a lifestyle, like merch is such a big thing, mm -hmm. right? And something that's really interesting is, you know, not all creators can just all of a sudden become clothing designers, e-commerce, you know, shop owners. Like what you just mentioned is, you're a filmmaker, so let me go deeper into this filmmaker path and let me have my offering be what I do. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really interesting thing because I think, again, I think it's like, okay, now I have this audience. I can do so many different things. And Colin and I talk about product a lot, but then we have to recognize that's a career change yeah. to go into products. Yep. Right? Yeah, it all feels so accessible. Mm -hmm. And so it's a challenge for us because we watch so much YouTube and we, we just follow a lot of entrepreneurs and you see all these options that are there for you. And again, yeah, we just think, Oh, okay, well, look at that. I want to do that now. 
and we do feel like we capable we are capable and i mm-hmm. think we are but sometimes you have to sink in first to what you're best at yeah right do you this is a little bit unrelated but i'm curious what you think because uh, i've seen some people say online I will never put my content behind a paywall. Mm. I will never make, let somebody pay for the content I make. Sure. My content deserves to be seen by everybody. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that, um, I mean, it's easier with a product, a physical product. Yeah. Of course, it's going to yeah. cost something to make this. Yeah, yeah. But with something like a video, do you think that's okay? If you, if you, Unless you have some other job and you're, like somebody's writing a check for your time. right unless like period yeah period a paywall also is a pre-roll advertisement Mm -hmm. right or like just paying it sponsorship more explicitly yeah yeah, it's just it's just different like either i'm going to transact with giving my time to watch this advertisement or i'm going to transact with a dollar or if i'm really not gonna there's no you know Monet- I don't know. I guess that's what I would say. Is that, but does that I, hurt I, the integrity of the creator because they're not giving away their videos for free? I don't necessarily think so. I think also with like the rise of subscription platforms like Netflix and Hulu and even Spotify for music, I've become so accustomed now to content behind a paywall. You know, that mm-hmm. it's not, it's not, it's funny because uh, people, people have compared my like Patreon to Netflix in saying, not in a good way, in <laughs> saying, why would I ever pay $12 for Matt Diavel's Patreon when I could get Netflix and get all these amazing movies? <laughs> right. But that's, but it why not to, both? It has, it's so <laughs> different, obviously. It has to be of value to you to support Matt yeah. Diavella. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that if it's of value to you, then of course. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thought, though, to create a bundle of creators and make a like Netflix style subscription mm, platform for that's interesting. creators. Yeah. You, you heard sure it here first. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we Call started career change. Let's do this. No, but like that actually would be interesting because if you bundled, you know, Casey Neistat, Peter McKinnon, Matt Diavella, Yes Theory into one package, and all of it was behind a paywall, but it was like this awesome package of yeah. creators. Like yeah. that's interesting. I think what's probably is more likely is going to happen is that these creators are going to try to work their way into Netflix. And like YouTubers getting deals with Hulu or even like YouTube premium red, Mm -hmm. whatever it's called. Uh, Nobody uses that. Oh, shots. Do they? Do you guys? To be honest, I'm a YouTube TV user. I'm so nostalgic. Do you still have it? No, I mean, I'm going to get it now in February to watch sports. I'm a bit like, I like, I like to watch sports. So like, and when lacrosse season comes around, I I like it. But I'm, I'm, when I first did the trial, I was incredibly nostalgic for TV where mm. like you click on a network and you don't have any control of what's on. It just gives you the content and you just sit back and like, you can't, there's nothing to interact with. It's kind of nice to just watch TV. Yeah. And I, I grew up with that experience. So mm-hmm. I was kind of nostalgic for like the lean back experience instead of like the lean in, like constantly being able to change it and affect the content. Yeah. That makes sense. So. But no, I, I, I don't watch YouTube. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing wrong with it. I mean, I'm sure there's some but great stuff. There on there, are but people I, who do it because you. I mean, yeah, well, I guess you don't see it. But, but like in our back end, we see like how many views are from YouTube Red subscribers. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that it is like uh, that's what people want to try to that want to do. It doesn't always translate because I, I think a lot of YouTubers fit within a certain platform of like certain kind of style, mm-hmm. quick, mm-hmm. loud. Whoosh, 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 like a lot of quick cuts. No offense, I know you guys do some quick cuts. Yeah, well, I, do you just, cuts. I do some. Just quick, describe one of our videos. <laughs> yeah, I do wipes. I do some quick uh, bamboo wipes, and uh, but like 
I don't think that that kind of style would be translate well. I think you have to adapt to the platform, and obviously it needs to be longer form content, and like I think probably premium. Like uh, it would be more difficult to do like a DSLR. Yeah, but but at the same time, like the the concept of just to get back to the concept of a yeah. paywall, like a paywall, like the Matt Diavella Patreon subscription is the most worth it thing in the world to one person and the least worth it thing to another person, and both are correct. Yeah, it's least like, worth it for most people. Yeah, but <laughs> like, you know what I mean. It's a niche. Yeah, yeah. it's very niche. It's for, very small for the vast majority of the world. It's the yeah. least worth it thing, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But, that's but good. Because I, yeah. I do not want this to feel like a Patreon. Yeah, I know, but that's but that's Devo. what I'm saying. Yeah. But yeah. but like th- we're talking the, the the topic is creating a life as a creator, mm-hmm. and what you recognize is you need far less than one percent of the entire world to care about you yeah far less than one percent yeah uh to to make that's pretty powerful that's pretty powerful Mm -hmm. statement like that that to me like more than 99.9 percent of the world can think that you are not worth a dollar and you can still make a life Mm -hmm. for yourself as a creator Mm -hmm. yeah that's a cool time and when colin and i were exposed to you know the first time i heard about patreon i was like absolutely not yeah. I will never yeah. go on the internet and ask people for, you know, $3. I said that too. Yeah. There are podcasts where I have said, Patreon, I yeah. don't think so. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, we change our minds. Yeah. No, but then you- <laughs> We get desperate. <laughs> but that's what it feels like. When you're at that point, yeah. you think starting a Patreon would be at that point. You're like, I'm not that, I'm not that desperate. That yeah. was my original mm-hmm. thinking when yeah. I first heard about Patreon. It was like, I don't want to look desperate. Yeah. yeah. But that's really not what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's- it's an exchange of value and like you start it's it's tough because you're valuing yourself you're sitting yeah. here in your apartment trying to be like is this how valuable is this yeah. thing i'm saying to this camera by myself yeah sam harris has a very great like i think he often opens up his podcast with it where it's like eight to ten minutes about why he doesn't do advertisements and why he uses patreon he doesn't use it anymore there was a bit of a scandal with patreon recently that's like far too much to get into right now but just about free speech and stuff uh so so sam harris and a few people left but like he still doesn't do advertising. He specifically uh, relies on contributions from his audience because he, he doesn't ever want his uh, ethics or ideas to be called into question. That, well, if he, there's a certain, say, if The New Yorker, a, a magazine of whatever, whatever, magazine that he really loves and he opens up all the time, if he decides uh, that he disagrees with something that somebody wrote in it, is he going to be less incentivized if they're paying him? Is he going to feel like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're a sponsor. I probably shouldn't talk bad about them. It just clears up any confusion and it makes it very easy for people to be open and honest. Mm. And open, honest authenticity is something we see so very little of today on Instagram when everybody's doing hashtag ad, hashtag spawn. It's like, do you really like that Samsung phone or are you just doing it because they gave you more money than Apple. Let's be let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Apple wouldn't give you money, so you you chose that. Is that why you're promoting it? So that to me, I think is is that's like that's everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like the trust that you have in an audience, and something like Patreon, or if you choose to do it through your own site, through donations or whatever, or creating digital products. That's the easiest way to maintain your honesty and your integrity. Not saying you can't do it, because I, I think that like. Uh, who knows? Maybe down the road, I end up bringing advertising on for the podcast or something and do it in a, in a limited and small way. I'm not against that, but I, I found that my, the approach that I've done right now has worked out better and it's just a little bit less complicated. Do you have a favorite advertisement or an advertisement that you have watched where you're like, 
that was really well done. Oh man, TikTok has some great ads. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody, like, I don't know why everybody hates TikTok ads. I think just because there's so many of them. They they dominated YouTube in yeah. December. Oh, it's crazy. I've, I had never seen more advertising. People were getting a upset single company. too. Yeah. I would see it like on Reddit and stuff. Yeah. People oh, yeah. were just being Wild. like, I will never use TikTok out of spite <laughs> yeah. for the amount yeah. of ads that yeah. they push. I mean, they, it's they, easy to hate TikTok. Yeah. They yeah. made it really easy. They made it. They, I mean, dude, I think like Dove makes some dope ads. Like, mm-hmm. I, there are some really emotionally well done videos that I, whether it was created in a boardroom or not, it makes me be like, wow, that's pretty cool. Like, mm-hmm. I really like the message of that. Mm-hmm. I feel like they really like did a good job of, of getting that idea across and also connecting it with the brand. I think when a brand's able to tell a story and also like have that uh, authenticity, I mean, and oftentimes it comes from people being like, like Dollar Shave Club obviously is like synonymous with having this really clever viral mm-hmm. advertisement that they made for their their things. But it's like, it's, it's a razor blade. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not pretending that it's going to change the world. Um, but I think I that mean, that's they, like, that's what they did but, so well. Yeah. In that, yeah. Or yeah. even like Old Spice, right? It's like, yeah, it's like a parody. It's a joke. Right. Mm-hmm. When it makes you laugh, I feel like that's when, uh, for me, it's when advertising works best. It, sometimes it's just too try hard. Mm. Yeah. So we talked a lot on this podcast about runway. I feel like your career has been a series sort of of runways, whether it be from being a freelancer and then taking the jump to make a documentary, making the documentary and then taking the jump now to be a creator. Are you acquiring like a runway now for something that's next or are you sort of living in the now? Living in the present moment, baby. (laughs) I mean, I don't. I th- well, yeah, retirement, I guess, is like the ultimate runway, right? Mm-hmm. Like being uh, financially free. I think uh, that's something that I even read like through Tony Robbins is this idea of being financially free where you don't make any decisions based on money. Like literally you could stop working right now and your current lifestyle could sustain you until you die uh, if you live a full life. And like to me, that's that's cool. And obviously that's something that's incredibly challenging and and far off but i think if you live within your means if you don't buy these excessive like cars and houses and all this stuff then it's a lot closer closer than you might think so yeah like my next runway is really like just retirement and and making sure i can uh have enough money for to to continue to do creative things and take risks and you also like have to keep in mind that like yeah maybe this youtube channel isn't gonna last for 15 years maybe this is gonna eventually turn into something else Maybe eventually I go back to just doing documentaries full time. You just never know where it's going to lead you. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think I'm going to continue to be able to do this. But that's why you build runway too, is for that safety and security net when things might change or shake up. So publicly, we all saw, you know, if you've been following Matt, we all saw you go from, you know, starting a YouTube channel to being featured at the end of the year as one of the like top creators on the rise on the platform of the whole year yeah it was me granny's making pasta i love granny's and making pasta. something like about spiders or tarantulas or something <laughs> Some i didn't kind of i didn't amazing. even click on that one because i i know so <laughs> i saw i saw those three and i was like oh my god matt is in the top three creators <laughs> yeah. of the year on youtube yeah. and, and the grant the pasta one was really good too. in the states i believe in the states because i think yeah. I, I saw canada a bunch of different places they had still that, that's a yeah. huge accomplishment oh my god that, that is a, is that crazy that's a crazy accomplishment yeah I never um, thought this would happen. I never, 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 never. I it was back in the day, fifteen thousand. That was my goal. Subscribers. Yeah. For the end of the mm-hmm. year, last year. 
I think it was ever. <laughs> like, ever. Uh, if I could get yeah. 15,000, that's substantial. I thought it would probably take three years to get to, to be honest. Is it overwhelming to think about the amount of people who are tuning in? No. no. Everybody's so damn nice. Like, honestly, the yeah. comments that I've seen, I mean, you have one in a hundred who are, like, kind of a little annoying. <laughs> Some guy, the other day, it cuts you, too. Some guy's like, does it ever bore you that uh, you, your videos aren't creative and you do the same things every week? <laughs> And I was like, listen, you little bitch. <laughs> but I mean, you know, yeah, like yeah. I crack my knuckles and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to like yeah. respond to this guy. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's fine. And that's like totally cool. It's I like Seth Godin's approach where he's just like, he doesn't contribute or like I, like talk or have a discussion mm -hmm. based on his work. He puts it out there and he lets people do with it what they, what they will. Mm -hmm. And I like connecting with people and like having some conversations around it. Um, but at the same time, I try to like let my ideas go and I do my best. I think like I, I, I put the same amount of effort. It's like always you're always just trying to get better. You're always trying to make the best possible film or whatever book that you can at the time. Uh, so that's just what I continue to do. And like the the amount of people, it grows over time. It's slow. It's not like you get it all at once. In the beginning, it was actually scary. The first couple of weeks, I don't know if you guys felt that too. Like when you hit fifty thousand, like in a two months, you you all of a sudden every video you're like, uh oh. <laughs> like, yeah, I think I think it led us to a point of like like mental burnout of trying mm. to come up with who we were on online like our you know yeah like really try, we were so brand conscious and it led us to like all kinds of crazy places trying to figure out our brand i think that yeah that's the tough thing is to not overthink it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and to, and just to as long as you stay consistent is like don't worry about like, okay, if this one was shitty, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like some videos I've made and I'm just, I was disappointed from the moment I clicked upload. And I know you guys have done that too, yeah. where you, like, you yeah. make each other yeah, yeah. click we, upload. Yeah, I've made Colin press upload before because yeah. I'm like, I can't, I can't yeah. press upload on this. Like, yeah. this is the but worst But most people don't have that, the eye that you have and they don't see everything that goes into it. So they think the decisions were, were consciously made mm -hmm. when a lot of times they were, decisions made because you didn't have enough time or you didn't have the budget or mm -hmm. the resources. Um, yeah. I, I was, the last thing I was going to ask you, um, was with all this success, you're, you're close to hitting a million subscribers. Um, this has been like a crazy year for you. Um, again, everything we've seen forward facing of Matt Vella is just growth, growth, growth. Like you have all your stuff figured out. Like it's, it's uh biceps keep getting bigger, yeah, like, <laughs> and bigger like, and bigger. What's yeah. happening behind, like is what's the biggest challenge um, that has happened behind the scenes or, or what is the constant challenge of being a creator? Time is always the challenge. There's, there's, there's never enough time to do everything you want. Like if it was up to me, I'd make two to three videos a week, you know, uh, I would do my podcast more frequently. I would do more Patreon videos because I love it. And when you love something, you just want to do more of it. And, you know, every time I get a video idea, I have to jot it down in a list of other video ideas that I can get to eventually. It's not to say that I don't have difficulty and I, it, it's not a challenge to sit down and start writing and start working on a video that still is there. And uh, I, I, that comes frequently, but it is trying to balance my time. And I think always trying to think of like, how can I just make this more fun? How can I make this more enjoyable? If this is feeling like work, how can I change it? So in a lot of ways, I think that's what we're all trying to do is continually enjoy what we do and not let the stress get to us, not let the pressure get to us. Uh, because if you're not actually having fun, if you don't actually like the stuff you're making or like the people that you connect with, then you do have a choice and you can change those things. Cool.
Cool. Cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. We should change the name of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is our podcast <laughs> yeah. now, by the way, since it's my gear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for the coffee, Matt. Thank you for participating in Weekend Film Fest. I mean, that was awesome. We gave away Matt's silver play button. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, did you have expectations of what you were going to see from Weekend Film Fest? I was truly worried that nobody would want it. And I, you know, it, there, some people wanted it. I mean... They didn't want it. They just want to take part in Weekend Film Fest. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly it. Yeah. mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. gave a no shit one wanted about the, the prize. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, the guy's going to throw it out. The dude yeah, that yeah. He's like, nah, uh, I don't think I want it. Um, that's cool. Yeah, we'll see. That, it would be cool to see where he puts it, whether it's in a drawer or on a wall or in the garbage. It was, Who knows? Thank yeah. you guys yeah. for allowing me to give it away on your film festival. Man, that was so fun. That was, was like, really cool. that, uh, Weekend Film Fest is one of my favorite things to do. And doing it with someone who can bring scale to it is so yeah. fun. Mm -hmm. That's, that's Thanks, really guys. cool. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out what we did with Weekend Film Fest, the um, video of the winner will be out on Matt's channel. You can hashtag Weekend Film Fest on Twitter. Just look through that hashtag and see everyone's submissions. It's really cool. You can also look back at other weeks and just check out the community. And if you're interested in becoming a creator, you know, I hope you gained a lot from this podcast, just listening to, to Matt's journey. And I would recommend that the next time we do Weekend Film Fest, you start creating. It's a great first step. Couldn't have said it better myself. The end. Thank right. you for having Thanks, me. Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. See you guys later. <laughs> or we'll see you on another, another time. time. <laughs> yeah. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. Make sure to check out Matt's YouTube channel if you haven't already. Give it a subscribe and help him cross that 1 million subscriber mark. Thanks to Matt so much for collaborating with us on our Weekend Film Fest this week. We're hoping to do a lot more of those this year. And if you haven't checked out the films from this past weekend, or if you don't know what Weekend Film Fest is, head over to Twitter, type in the hashtag Weekend Film Fest, and watch all the submissions from this week. It was really tough to pick a winner because all of them were so good, and it's just such a supportive community. It's one of the things that we love about being online creators is getting to develop a community that supports each other. Thanks, everyone, for your patience this week on the upload. Next week, we'll be back on our Monday release schedule. So we'll see you back here next Monday on the Colin and Samir podcast.